Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with Decrom. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell, and it is officially April, and that means many things in sports. The start of the Major League Baseball season, the NCAA Final Four and National Basketball Championship, and the start of the NBA playoffs. But even without any games, the NFL remains king of kings in April with the NFL Draft, which is a virtual lock to draw more viewers than most, if not all, of those aforementioned events. And for us at Sports Crunch, that means we're almost halfway through our annual Dash to the Draft series. And today, we cover our penultimate position group of prospects, defensive backs. And as I previously said, the four deepest, most talented position groups in the 2023 NFL Draft are tight end, running back, edge pass rusher, and defensive backs, especially cornerback. And here tonight to give us a breakdown on this deep crop of young men ready to help defend an NFL passing attack on the boundary and in the slot is our good friend Bill Carroll, NFL draft analyst for Team NBS Media. Bill, it is an absolute gift having you and your expertise on this program every single spring for draft season. How are you, my man? Uh, I am extremely excited for several reasons. Uh, my favorite position to evaluate is defensive back. It's a position that I attempted to play when I was a player. And uh, this, as you just said, is a bumper crop. There are players that are ranked in the bottom half of the top 10 who would be fighting for the top two or three at the, you know, either safety or corner position or slot positions in a regular class. So this is a special group. Oh, it absolutely is. And, uh, Let's start at the top. Uh, despite the depth of this cornerback class, there also seems to be a consensus top corner uh, in this draft, and that is Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. And Chris Gonzalez is almost universally expected to be the top corner off the board, likely within the top 10 picks. What makes Christian Gonzalez such a very special prospect? Well, he it's hard to find something not to like, right? Even when you go back sort of nitpicking, right? You go back and look for things. There are little teeny tiny things about hand placement on his jam you can sort of nitpick. And, you know, times when he might have not always transitioned out of his back pedal perfectly. He does it extremely well. So you really have to look hard to find things. He is fluid, incredibly fluid. He has amazing footwork. He's long, he's strong, he's fast. He, he's his backpedal is like teaching tape on how to backpedal. And at that size, because most of the guys with the amazing backpedal are like the 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", guys. He's 6'1", and 3'8". He's 197 pounds. He can do everything well. And sort of as a nice little bonus, he's a fairly tough guy. He doesn't mind, as they say, sticking his face in the fan. I've seen him just run right through blockers on wide receiver screens and make plays or at least force the guy who's getting the ball back towards his help so if he doesn't make play, someone else does. He's complete. And there are, I know some people who prefer Weatherspoon. I know some people who, you know, who have even guys like Forbes. But you're right. Almost universally, Gonzalez is number one because it's so hard to find something that you can pick on and say he needs to work on that. Yeah, plus uh, he's from a very athletic family. I believe uh, both his sisters are uh, track stars. Uh, uh, can you give us a little background there? Yeah, he has two sisters who are members of the Colombian national team and mm. sprinters. 
And if he chose to, because he has dual citizenship, he could run for uh, Columbia in things like the Pan Am Games, probably not the Olympics, just because of the time, the, time, <laughs> the amount of time you'd have to devote to it. But he is a high-level track athlete, or was a high-level track athlete. He's clearly found the sport that he wants to concentrate on. But he has a lot of just natural ability. And he's also a worker. I, I first spotted him in Colorado. Uh, Colorado fans were actually very sorry to see him go. I understand why he made the move, looking for an opportunity to be in a program that, you know, obviously, you know, things have worked out differently. If it, in, a, in an alternate timeline where Deion Sanders goes there two years earlier, he stays yeah. at Colorado, obviously. Absolutely. But, yeah, but uh, he, he made the move at the time that was the best news for him. He got to play in a very good secondary, was well-coached. And frankly, even at, like I said, at Colorado, I saw things that made me think, wow. And he got to showcase even more because people just pay more attention to that program they do to Colorado, though that's about to change. Uh, but he's, he's just a luscious pro. I mean, I, I'm not trying to compare him to a Hall of Famer, but he has things that remind me of Rod Woodson. I'm not saying he's Rod Woodson. There's things about him that remind me of Rod Woodson. He has that level of talent. Oh, absolutely. With the freakish athleticism and the solid fundamentals, uh, Christian Gonzalez is as close to a near certainty as you could get in this draft class. And as special as a Christian Gonzalez may be, nobody, and I mean nobody, should be sleeping on Illinois' Devon Witherspoon either. Witherspoon, he is that junkyard dog, and I mean that, a junkyard dog who is always willing to literally hit you in the mouth. He is also known for his uh, high football IQ. However, uh, Witherspoon, unlike Christian Gonzalez, he doesn't have top flight athleticism and he only weighs 181 pounds. Since 2003, only one corner weighing less than 185 pounds was selected in the top 15, which was Denzel Ward in 2018. Do you see Devon Witherspoon as worthy of a top 15 pick or do his size and athleticism or lack thereof give you pause? He's very much worthy of a top 15 and there are teams that will at least think about him in the top 10. For these reasons, despite his size, and I get, you know, what you just said, everything you said is true. It's factual information, but watch him play. He doesn't know he's that size. Watch him run through someone's chest. Watch him drill a 220 pound running back and send him sending going the other way. He is an explosive person. And while he might not be a world-class athlete, he's a more than good enough athlete to play almost any position you'd ask him to play in the secondary. While he isn't big enough to play safety, he's physical. He's extremely tough. He's, extre- he's a terrific tackler. Tackling might be the thing he's best at. I mean, of all the corners in this class, there's nothing that I would hesitate about taking him, despite all the stuff you just said, because I've watched him play. I've watched him play in person. I've watched him play on tape. I've seen how well he's been coached, how, com- once again, the only thing that keeps him from my number one spot is the fact that there's a Christian Gonzalez in this class. <laughs> and there's usually not. I mean, there's not usually someone that good. Witherspoon would be my number one with no problem. If he was in last year's class, he would be my number one corner last year. Mm. That's how good he is. Oh, even above Sauce Gardner, that is a ringing, ringing I love Sauce Gardner, but Sauce Gardner is not putting people on their backs the way that <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, Sauce is a terrific co- quote-unquote cover corner. And he's a good enough tackler. Don't get me wrong. He's not afraid to tackle. But he doesn't relish tackling the same <laughs> way I got, like Witherspoon does. Witherspoon looks forward to running through someone's chest in a way that very few corners do. I, 
I love him. And like I said, if it were for Gonzalez, he'd be, I have no problem making my number one. Yes, and as uh, Doug Ferraro of uh, the USA Today Touchdown Wire uh, uh, said uh, today on Twitter, has been saying throughout this entire process, one of the things he really loves the most about uh, Devon Witherspoon is his footwork. Like having that kind of footwork at that kind of size is, is so amazing. And like uh, the passer rating against him on deep passes last year was zero. <laughs> you can't do better than that. Uh, he He has... When I think about the players that he most reminds me of and the players that you know, I, I sort of see when I look at him, I've heard people bring up people like Aaron Glenn. And no offense to Aaron Glenn, who is a terrific player, he's better than Aaron Glenn or has a potential. He has the potential to be better than Aaron Glenn, who was a really good football player. And a really I mean, good defensive coordinator now, too. Right, and a fantastic man. I mean, he's just yeah. great all the way around. Um, I mean, guys like Dre Bly, but Dre Bly wasn't a guy that was going about, you know, <laughs> wasn't about to bring the wood like that. I mean, he has a combination of skills, talents, abilities that you don't often see, especially in a guy, as we keep saying, his size. But I don't worry about that. I think he's going to just light it up uh, throughout his entire career. And I think about a, a super athletic version of a guy like Frank Minifield, right? Minifield wasn't a super athlete. He's a be much better athlete than Minifield. Minifield was a tough guy, but he was a guy that sort of had to get by on like guile and wit. He's got all that but he's also a better athlete and i just think he's going to have 10 11 12 years in the league probably four or five pro bowls a couple of first team all pros he's that kind of player oh i wouldn't be surprised at all if that were the case and two years ago there were two corners with elite nfl bloodlines that went in the first round in jc horn and obviously patrick sertan the second and this year there is another such prospect in Joey Porter Jr. of Penn State, who is the son of former Steelers outside linebacker and a trash-talking junkyard dog, uh, Joey Porter. And when it comes to Porter the Younger, he has jaw-dropping, I mean jaw-dropping length that includes 34-inch arms, which is the 98th percentile of cornerbacks, and an 80 and 7-eighth of inch wingspan, which is the 97th percentile of corners. Porter also has very good ball skills. But the knock on him is his lack of top and long speed, burst and foot quickness will only be further magnified at the NFL level. So my question is this. Do you think Joey Porter Jr.'s best possible fit is with a team that plays a very heavy amount of press coverage? Or can he thrive in most other schemes despite those aforementioned weak spots in his game? If he plays in a cover three zone matchup, he'll be fine. Like he's, he'll be, I mean, look at what, Richard Sherman did, and Richard's a four, five, six guy. He's faster than that significantly. So you're talking about someone with a similar athletic profile, but much faster, long, strong, smart. Could he play in press man? Of course. Could he play in off man? We've seen him do it. One of the things that helps you is that he has played in a system where he gets to do more than one thing in coverage. Would you want him to just play in pure man where he follows his guy everywhere it depends on who he is if it's Tyree Kill no you do not like that whatsoever you know or if it's even Waddle no you do not like that whatsoever uh but if it's you know a even a guy like the current version of a guy like um Julio Jones he could stay with Julio now now Julio is now more of a power receiver than a speed receiver he could cover a guy like that so he could play straight up man against the right kind of receiver. He can also defend a lot of the smaller tight ends. He's got a lot of, as he said, length and strength. I worry more about his turning than all the other things I've ever mentioned so far. Because, just because of his length, especially his leg length, 
when <laughs> just it's simple physics, my friend. If you have a short torso and long legs, he's a tall guy with a short torso, which means he has very long legs, probably has a 35 inch inseam or something, which means that when somebody who is has a 31 inch inseam uh, and is very quick, runs a whip route or something, they're in the second part of their double move while you're still in the first part of their double move. It's just because of the center of gravity. His center of gravity is just gonna be higher than a lot of the smaller, quicker receivers. So that's what I worry about is when he goes against the water buck types, but he's going to be fine in a lot of different schemes against all the size of receivers, all the bigger receivers will be fine. Thank you for that uh, explanation there, Bill. And one of the stars of the combine at the cornerback position was Maryland's Deontay Banks. And Deontay Banks, this is a guy who ran a blazing 4-3-5-40, jumped a jaw-dropping 42-inch vertical and 11-foot 4-inch broad. And in your view, does Deontay Banks take, match those traits that thus qualify him for a top 25 selection, if not even higher? So let me say this, and I'm going to just be completely transparent. I had, based on film grade, and Corian Bennett, his teammate, slightly above him. They were, I think, at one point, five and six uh, in my rankings, both of which, you know, things have changed. Uh, Corian Bennett's still a guy I really, really like, but Deontay Banks has helped himself amazingly throughout this process. He has worked on his technique in his body. He's cleaned up some, you know, some things that I didn't love when I watched him actually on tape. The, the first time I really began to think this guy is going to be a top 50 player was when the Ohio State game, right? Oh, obviously the Ohio State mix that they bring together with all those terrific wide receivers with Smith and Jay, but who, you know, unfortunately was hampered this year, but, you know, still they have uh, Ibuka. They still have obviously Marvin Harrison Jr. Yep. They're, they're loaded still, even when, when Jigba was hurt. And I saw how much trouble he was giving those Ohio State receivers. And I said, okay, this guy's going to be, he's going to be okay. So he's improved throughout the season. If you would ask me about those two Maryland corners coming into the year, I had much more interest and respect in Bennett. And Bennett is still a player I like. I mean, I still really like Jacorian Bennett. But Banks, like I said, has pushed himself and pushed himself and pushed himself. So he moved himself up about four spots. Uh, so Bennett's now at number seven. And now Banks is number three in my rankings. So yes, change, things have changed. Oh, yes. Thank you, Bill. That is a powerful example of the draft process. Things are extremely fluid. Players can rise up boards throughout the season or fall down boards drastically throughout the season. That is something very important for the uh, casual NFL fan to keep in mind year in and uh, year out. And another corner who took the combine by storm was DJ Turner of Michigan, in large part due to his 4-2-6-40 time. And there were probably some random fans in the NFL Twitterverse who immediately compared uh, DJ Turner to Tariq Woolen because of that. But unlike Tariq Woolen, as uh, you know, uh, DJ Turner lacks size. He's just five foot 11 and length with a 30 and three quarter inch arms. What else aside from speed will DJ Turner bring to an NFL defense right away? And is he worth the top 50 pick in your view? Oh, he is most certainly not. And maybe not even top 100. The speed is fantastic. He's going to help you on special teams right away. He's going to be a guy that's going to play a little bit, but it's going to take him a couple of years. He's probably going to be a, a guy that's in sort of that fighting for that, you know, last active roster spot amongst your defensive backs. 
he has a little bit of experience in the slot, but not enough to be a guy that's going to push to start right away in the slot. He doesn't have a lot of physical strength. That's my main issue is he can get muscle. So the, the height thing, I mean, he's plenty tall. There's lots of top flight receiver uh, uh, corners who are as taller him or shorter. Yeah. I wish he was a little tougher. All the things you said about Witherspoon is actually slightly smaller, but his plays much bigger, right? Witherspoon is tougher and stronger and has a different mindset. He has a, I'm going to dominate you mindset. And Turner goes out there and gives good effort. Don't be wrong, but he doesn't, he doesn't take games over. He doesn't take, he doesn't make a player feel him, right? Witherspoon wants you to feel him. He wants you to say, okay, this is going to be a tough day. Witherspoon is wearing me out. Turner doesn't wear people out. He needs to improve his reaction to the football. He needs to improve his technique in terms of not taking the cheese, right? He, he's a guy that bites a little too hard on certain things. So he's got to be more disciplined with what he does with his eyes, his feet, his hands. Last but not least, in addition to getting stronger, because you can't change, you know, you can't get longer you know, at this point, at least. You're, gonna, you're the size you're going to be pretty much. But you can get a little stronger, maybe add five, six pounds of muscle. I'd also like to see him get that mentality that the ball is his. He doesn't have a lot of production in terms of getting his hands on the football. And extra, those, I mean, think of how many games where this NFL is usually decided by what, seven, less than seven points. So if you can give your team one more possession three or four times a year, you're going to win at least, if it's four times, at least three of those games. Three extra wins. What's three extra wins worth? Millions, perhaps, when you think about an NFL team has a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Three wins is everything. So if he goes to a team that's a contender, he won't play for a while, except on special teams. If he goes to a team that's rebuilding, like, say, the Texans, he might play a little bit just because – the roster says, hey, everybody has a chance. It's the Texans. So it depends on the situation. But no, I wouldn't take him in the top 50, maybe not even the top 100. But if I were, it'd be low in the top 100. DJ Turner, a buyer beware prospect in the eyes of Bill Carroll. And uh, teams that want a corner with special, and I mean special ball skills, and the numbers to prove it, may look no further than Mississippi State's Emmanuel Forbes. Forbes intercepted an astounding 14 passes in college, including an FBS record six pick sixes. However, if you think Devon Witherspoon is light, Emmanuel Forbes makes him look like the Hulk as the latter is only 166 pounds. How concerned should teams be about Emmanuel Forbes' long-term durability in the NFL at that weight? Well, for those who have been watching with bated breath, he's apparently gained four more pounds yay uh i don't worry that much about it if this was a different era of football and where you had to come up and support the run or if you played in a scheme that you know like the scheme that tampa used to run where your corners had to be tacklers and had to get really involved in the run game i'd be a little more concerned but we are in a throw first nfl david and he's going to be asked to cover receivers and intercept footballs guess what He's great at those two things. He's absolutely great. I mean, once again, this is another guy that'd be in the fight for the top spot in a normal year. He can mirror and match. His footwork is probably the third best, which is not an insult at all in this draft class amongst the, the corners. He has really good ability to click and close. Like he can change direction 
The thing that I was not so much thrilled about with Joey Porter Jr. is what I'm very thrilled about with Emmanuel Forbes, who can really change direction like that. So he has that great ability to just boom, 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 right? To change lateral or, or vertical his direction of travel. And he has hands like a receiver. So I'm not that worried. He'll play in the low 270s probably in his NFL career. And so what, really, for the most part? Will he occasionally get overpowered by some of the phys- – will A.J. Brown toss him aside sometimes? <laughs> Guess what? He does that to everybody. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not going to be so especially to him. The big, strong guys, if you're DK Metcalf, there's not a corner in the world that you can't discard physically if you want to. It'll be the same for him. Might it be more dramatic because of what he weighs? Sure, he might fly another couple of feet when a really big guy gets his hands on him. But guess what? That's a couple of times a year. He's also going to get you a bunch of interceptions. It'll balance out. Well, it most definitely will. And uh, talking about Emmanuel Forbes and Devon Witherspoon uh, reminds me of this old Mark Twain quote. It's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. But if Mark Twain were describing a certain prospect in the 2023 NFL draft, it wouldn't be Devon Witherspoon. It wouldn't be Emmanuel Forbes. It would probably be Clark Phillips III out of Utah. Clark Phillips III. This is a guy that only stands at five foot nine and has sub 30 inch arm length, which will likely have him off the boards of several teams. But the tape tells a far different tale, as I'm sure you know. He has an exceptionally quick short area burst that allows him to jump routes quickly and make plays. He had four pick sixes in college, just two less than the record set by Emmanuel Forbes. And he doesn't shy away from tough competition as he more than held his own against USC's Jordan Addison, who will likely be a first round pick at wide receiver. While Phillips profiles as a def- dependable slot corner at minimum, one thing that concerns me is that the NFL tends to line up tight ends and big wide receivers in the slot very often these days. Do you believe Clark Phillips III, even at that petite size, can be trusted to cover the big slots in today's NFL? In a word, yes. And I will tell you why. First of all, it's not his first rodeo. He's covered big receivers. Watch him against Bakua Nakua from BYU. Uh, he's, this is not his first rodeo. He's covered 6'2", 6'3", Receivers, guys weigh 200 pounds, 205, 210, 215. This is not, this is not, he'll not be in shock. He doesn't, as you say, he doesn't shy away from anything. He has the ability to time up his jumps fairly well. So he's able to get into position despite his lack of, you know, vertical height because he does, and he's, you know, short arms because he does, first of all, time it up. He sees where the ball is going to be, he anticipates well. And because he times his jumps well, he makes himself a couple inches taller. Last but not least, technique matters. Technique matters. He's able to make those guys a little bit shorter sometimes with those little subtle, subtle leaning into a guy that makes him ha- uh, takes him off balance a little bit. Now he can't jump as high because he's carrying your weight a little bit as well. So we talk about that when teaching defensive back technique to look and lean, right? You run with a guy till you see him give you a little tell if the ball is coming. You also find the ball. And as you're doing that, if you're smart and you're very crafty, you take the hand that is obscured by your body. So he's here, you're here. This hand goes somewhere around his waist or so. You grab a, just a tiny bit of jersey, not a lot. 
and you lean into him. And then when his body's going for the ball, your body goes with it. Now he's carrying both of you, right? So now you're taking your body into his as he moves to the ball. He used to be six foot four. Now he's six foot one because he's carrying you with him. And then you go where he goes. And if you can't get the ball from him, you break the triangle, right? The triangle is his two hands and the ball between it. Boom, you get your hand in between there. If you can't, if you can't have it, no, can't, nobody can. He has all that in his trick bag. He has all those little subtle tricks that some guys take years into their NFL career to pick up. He has right now. He's covered big guys before. He's, it's not new to him. Oh, yeah. And uh, he kind of reminds me of a guy who won in the first round last year, uh, Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie uh, has sub-30-inch arms as well, but he looked very, very good in his rookie season for the Chiefs in, in week one, but unfortunately got hurt after that. But in the AFC Championship game against the Bengals, he made some very key plays in that game against arguably the best wide receiver tandem uh, in the uh, National Football League. Outside of hype, uh, do you think Clark Phillips III compares quite favorably to uh, Trent McDuffie? That's a guy that, that has some of that. We mentioned Aaron Glenn earlier. This is someone who, to me, is more like Aaron Glenn, uh, you know, because Aaron Glenn also had all those little, which is why he's a defensive backs coach, all those little little tricks of the trade. He's got all those little tricks of the trade, all those little things that make the other guy a little bit shorter, make the other guy a little bit slower. He does all that stuff. He reads routes beautifully. And he, as he said, sometimes he can run the route for the receiver. I just feel like, I mean, I love him in Pittsburgh. I just feel like he's going to do very well. And I think he, obviously we talk about the slot, but I think he can play outside. I think he could be a field corner in the NFL. I think he could play as long as you don't ask him once again, to go against, you know, the best of the best bigger receivers all the time. As long as you don't ask him to face, you know, Jordan Jefferson, every time, you know, things like that, he'll be just fine. But Jordan Jefferson abuses people who are six foot two. I mean, it's not like Jordan Jefferson only picks on small receivers he beats them all oh he most certainly does and as deep as this cornerback class is as y'all can tell listening at home almost the exact opposite can be said about the safety class this year nonetheless there is one really good prospect at that position in Alabama's Brian Branch. Branch is a movable defensive chess piece that played mostly in the slot at Bama, where this past season, according to our good friend Doug Ferrara at USA Today Touchdown Wire, he was targeted three times, allowed zero catches, and broke up four passes. He broke up one more pass that he was targeted, and that says a lot about how much opposing offenses respected him. However, uh, Branch underwhelmed at the Combine, and ESPN NFL draft analyst Matt Miller said recently that Brian Branch is going to get drafted uh, lower than most think. If Brian Branch falls to day two, how big of a steal will the team that selects him be getting? Well, he's a guy that can go out and, once again, can play nickel, right? like I said, play in your cover slot. And, and do it very well. He could play either free or strong safety. So you're talking about a guy who can play three positions in your secondary has been coached well and coached hard, right? So he's not afraid of being coached hard. It's not his first rodeo, as they say. And when you toss in on top of that, like all the things we just talked about, but you add to that, uh, that he is a guy that can come downhill and help you in the run game because he's a good tackler. He is a guy that has... Um, you know, I mean, there's some of everything that you would ever want. Um, you know, I mean, uh, he's not a freak athlete. And I, I kind of knew that going in. I think the NFL uh, talent evaluators knew that going in, that he was going to not blow them away. But if you just, once again, watch the tape, 
you can see that this is a guy who's made to go out and play and play at a high level from quite literally his first day, day one out there. They're going to trot him out. He's going to go out there and he's going to do it and he's going to do it at a high level. I, I have zero concerns, exactly zero concerns about him uh, once he gets out there and starts playing in the NFL. And to me, I mean, when people say, oh, future Patriot, he would absolutely thrive in the system. Obviously, there's a lot of similarities <laughs> in what Saban does and what Belichick does. They talk all the time about football and football players. Do not be shocked if he ends up in New England. Uh, but yes, I have no concerns about him, especially if you get him, if you're getting him in the 40s or 50s, yes, that's a significant bargain. He is Bill Carroll, ladies and gentlemen, NFL draft analyst for Team NBS Media. Follow him on Twitter at 11Bravo138. Bill, thank you so much for joining us again. But before we let you go, it's time to play the best game of draft season, buy or sell. And in this game, we're going to discuss a defensive back that we have not uh, discussed yet. And you just uh, let me know whether you buy or sell his long-term NFL potential. Starting with Keely Ringo of Georgia. Buy or sell Keely Ringo. Okay, let me just say this. There's a lot to work with. And he's going to have a, a very solid NFL career, but there's things that concern me. I didn't always see the level of effort that I wanted to see every week when I watched him. And he seems sometimes to play down to the level of competition, lapses in concentration. He would give up sometimes a catch when he was right there and didn't make a play on the ball. Those are things that good coaches may be able to fix. He's big, strong, and fast, and he's capable of making spectacular plays. So... If I'm getting him day two, I'm a buyer. If you're talking about taking him in the first round, I'm not. That seems to be where his stock is heading. How about Cam Smith of South Carolina? Buy or sell Cam Smith? I'm a Cam Smith fan. That's another guy that if, say for instance, if they don't get Branch, the Patriots are also going to like a guy like Cam Smith. Once again, the football IQ is there. He has a certain amount of versatility. And he's a, he's a guy that's not afraid to tackle. Those are things that the Patriots like. So I could see him also being in play for them. I think he's going to go somewhere in the late first. Julius Brents of Kansas State. Buy or sell Julius Brents. This is a guy who has had a very good – if you look at where Julius Brents was being talked about in, say, the first week of October and where he's talked about now, he's picked up a significant amount of – let me put it this way. If he were buying cars – the cars he'd be, he was looking at based on where he's being talked about earlier in the year would be solid, well-made you know, motor, motor vehicles. Now he can look at cars that turn heads. He can now look at something that's got like a V12 because he's really helped himself. Always had the super, super, super length and was a good tackler. There were questions about just how athletic he was. And though his 40 wasn't mind-boggling, all of his other athletic testing was exceptional. So I think that there's going to be teams that are going to now look at him as a guy that they might even consider at the tail end of the first. I wouldn't be shocked if a team like Kansas City took a shot at him. And while it's not a desperate need for them, if you have guys that can cover, you need more of them, right? Because we just talked about NFL teams don't just want to have one or two good receivers. They want to have three or four good receivers. And we just saw what the Bengals did to teams because how good is your third best coverage player, right? That's what they're questioning you every time you take the field. And whoever that guy is, who if that third guy isn't up to the task, he's going to see the ball all day long. 
So some team at the very tail end of the first or the early part of the second is probably going to grab him. And moving right along here, Terrell Smith of Minnesota. Buy or sell Terrell Smith. This is another guy where you're getting a really great athlete and a good player, but not a top 50 and maybe even top, maybe top 75. But I like him towards the latter part of the third. That's where I feel like the value is. So if you're talking the top 50, I'm not a buyer. If you're talking the top 100, I'm a buyer, but towards the latter part of it. So what on a Terrell Smith's uh, tape uh, makes you value him more towards the latter half of the third than the top 75? Well, the main thing, like I said, he's a terrific athlete and you like looking at him physically, but there's things that you notice. And remember I talked about how efficient and smooth, especially those top corners we talked about, uh, Gonzalez, right? How efficient and smooth he is and the way that he moves. Look at how efficient and smooth that Devin Witherspoon is and the way that he moves. Smith has a lot of wasted steps. So despite the fact that he's really, really athletic, he in essence makes himself less athletic or makes himself slower because there's some choppiness and some extra steps. If he was able to take some of that out of his game, if he's able to see it more quickly, right? See and anticipate where the ball's going more quickly. He was able to see ahead of the play more often, have better route recognition. He would make himself a more efficient and more effective defender. As it is now, he's a guy that has to see it because he doesn't anticipate. When you have to actually see it, you're making yourself slower. The guys that are really, really, truly great are not just great athletes, but they see things more quickly. They anticipate. They know based on down and distance and film study and things they just feel instinctively where to go. That's something he has to learn. He has to improve in those areas. And what about Tyreek Stevenson of Miami? Buy or sell Tyreek Stevenson? The, a lot of the buzz on Tyreek Stevenson is that some teams might be thinking about trying to move him to safety. Uh, he is another one of the tougher, there's some unusually tough corners in this class. He's one of the tougher corners. And I think for teams that play certain schemes, he could still play corner. He's got some boundary corner to him. Think of Brandon Flowers. Remember Brandon Flowers? Yep. Think of guys like that. He's got some of that to him. Uh, but he's, like I said, he's got some toughness. He's, he's not afraid to come up in the run game, not afraid to take on blockers. You know, even when it's a screen and, you know, a lot of defensive backs sort of, you know, figure that, you know, discretion is the better part of valor. He's more than willing to get in there and mix it up. Those are things I like about him. And he's not afraid. He doesn't back down from anybody. He'll also get burned just because he's not elite in terms of either speed or change of direction. But he's a good enough player that I think he could be somebody's second best corner after a couple of years of sort of working his way up to that position. Travius Hodges Tomlinson of TCU. Buy or sell Travius Hodges Tomlinson. Here's the person you should be concerned about when we're talking about size. So I am not the world's tallest person, David, and you are also not exactly <laughs> a prospect. But it, it does my heart good, and maybe it warms your heart as well. He's somebody that we're, we could probably shop from the same sort of area of the store. Uh, he came in at 5'7 and 5'8. That is going to tell people, and so, once again, he says some people might take I mean, I don't think he was taking Clark Phillips all the way off their board, hopefully, but the people will move him down. There will be some teams that have hard and fast rules about size thresholds that will take him all the way off their boards. I think that's a mistake. I think that he'll find a way to play in the NFL. He will probably not be a full-time starter on defense for you know most teams, but can he play in certain situations? Can he defend 
especially smaller, quicker receivers, yes. But you have to keep him away from certain matchups because he's just going to get climbed, basically. Anytime someone who's 6'1", 6'2", faces him, he's got a real he's, – he's played guys that tall. Don't get me wrong. But he has played mostly in defenses where he was protected to some extent. And by that, I mean he wasn't asked, one, to just be all the way on an island with some of these guys. And more importantly, he wasn't put in a situation where we ever had to press these guys because that's not really where he's going to live. He's a guy that's going to be really good in off man. And he can even play in some versions of zone where he gets a chance to watch the ball, leave the quarterback's hands and break on the ball because he is a good, a good athlete. And, you know, if you're going to be LaDainian Thompson's nephew, you better be a good athlete. So he is a guy that has a certain amount of toughness despite his size. He's going to fight and scrap. He just, because of those size limitations, there are teams that will not like him whatsoever. He's probably going to go somewhere day three just because of those size. And we mentioned that Cam Smith a couple minutes ago. How about his fellow South Carolina Gamecock, Darius Rush, buy or sell Darius Rush? So we were talking about players that have helped themselves. Julius Brents might be the one who's helped himself the most in this corner class from the beginning of the season to now. But probably the guy that is in the number two spot, and right, Deontay Banks is the number three spot. But the guy in that number two spot, probably amongst the, the corners who've helped himself the most, is your friend Darius Rush. Now, he's big, strong, and fast. And you see some things that you like, but there's some inconsistency on tape. That's why Cam Smith is still rated more highly because he's a more consistent player. Darius Rush is capable of playing at a very high level, looking like a top 50 prospect even at times. But he also is a guy that at times gets lost or will, let me talk about taking the cheese. He'll, he'll bite on an underneath guy and let somebody get deep behind him sometimes, things like that. So you'd like to see him be more hygienic with his eyes, meaning that, you know, he doesn't let, you know, the sort of smoke and mirrors take him in the wrong direction. He can sometimes be such a good athlete that he runs himself back into position, but you don't want that. And at that level, you don't get a chance to recover, even if you're a super athlete. So you've got to be right the first time more often than not. But yes, he's pushed his weight, I'd say somewhere into the top 70 picks because of just his pure athletic mixtures. And when we were talking about Deontay Banks earlier, you mentioned uh, his uh, fellow uh, Maryland uh, Terrapin corner, Jacorian Bennett. Why do yeah. you like Jacorian Bennett? Because I like good football players, David. But let me elaborate. <laughs> but let me elaborate more. Uh, another guy who has a really, really high football IQ. And once again, ask those Ohio State wide receivers about him. So after they were having no fun with Banks, they started trying to pick on Jacorian Bennett. Also didn't work out. So he, he's a guy that will, because he doesn't have the length of a guy like, like Banks, he's, but he's very, very fast. He's explosive. He has a really, I think, a high understanding of most of the things you will be asked to do at the next level. He's done something, if not the exact same thing, something somewhat like those things already in his career. So I'm excited about his potential to keep improving. Obviously, as we said, uh, most people have banks ahead of him. I used to have Bennett higher than bank. And I'll, I'll give you one more, one or two more things that I think were why I had was so high on Bennett. So once again, we talked about fantastic athletic, athletic ability. And I didn't see the same when I watched banks, I didn't see banks move like that. So maybe he's just unlocked, you know, maybe he's worked on some things like, like I said, and throughout this, you know, pre-draft experience, 
But Bennett always looked like the faster player to me when I watched the two of them together. And, you know, he's 188 pounds and he's, you know, right at 5'11 or almost 5'11. So he's not tiny. He's not huge. 31, 78 inches arms means his arms are slightly above average length. But he's another explosive athlete. I mean, 40 and a half inch vertical, 11 one broad, a guy with a great track background in high school. So you know he's not going to, you know, guys not going to run past him. I, I like, even though he, he, he probably slimmed down a little bit, he probably played at about 193. He'll probably play in the mid to upper 190s, you know, once he gets in the league. But I love his hips. I think he has actually still better hips than Banks does. Uh, he really knows how to get in the receiver's hip pocket, as we call it. He's really, really, really good at challenging every catch. There was a, a red zone play where it looked like he was just flat out beat, and he makes an amazing recovery to get back into it. Uh, you know, there's Rutgers doesn't ever want to see him again. I, I promise you that. That Rutgers game from I think it was actually not this season, but the previous season really put me put me on his radar last year. Uh, but he is good at chopping the ball for getting his hand. Like I say, if it's so, even if it does get beat, doesn't stay beat. 27 passes defended in the last two seasons. He gets his hands on the ball a lot. Doesn't afraid, he's not afraid to come down and support against the run, right? Even though he's not the biggest cat in the world, he brings everything he's got. Uh, the only thing I would say amongst, um, you know, concerns, he can get beaten a little bit on things like slants, especially on guys who are super, super quick. And I would say his transition, if he's changing direction, you know, from downhill to his back pedal, Sometimes he gets a little wobbly. It's a little bit wobbly in that, but I think that's completely fixable. And despite getting his hands on a whole lot of footballs, he's dropped way too many interceptions. He's got to get, you know, make a relationship with the jugs gun, get the quarterbacks. Yeah. Backup quarterbacks. Don't get enough throws. Go bother on the backup quarterbacks. Get them throw footballs to you. If he gets, so he catches more of those balls. He'll be one of those guys in the top five interceptions consistently. If he just catches more of them. And moving right along to safeties and buy or sell. The safety that's getting the biggest buzz outside of Brian Branch is Antonio Johnson of Texas A&M. Buy or sell Antonio Johnson. I am buying Antonio Johnson. I He and, and Sidney Brown have been right here, right here. And J.L. Skinner was in that mix too when he got hurt. So my top four or five safeties have been fairly you know, crowded close to each other. But the things that I like about Johnson is he can cover the slot. There are NFL teams that actually have him on their board at slot corner. They, there are some teams that literally think that that's the position he's going to play for them and think of him as sort of a safety second, despite because he's played more safety. So once again, position versatility, which always gives you more value. He has good size. He's an above average athlete. And he shows enough Maybe not elite football IQ, but enough. I've seen enough to make me feel like you won't be overwhelmed by most NFL systems. Jordan Battle of Alabama, Brian Branch's teammate there. Buy or sell Jordan Battle. So I feel like Jordan Battle is the kind of guy that people are going to be not excited about initially because he does everything so quietly. And what I mean by that is he doesn't make anything look difficult or spectacular. He makes everything look like the way you or I make look like making like folding a cardigan. Like he has a certain step he goes through. He executes his little plan. He does it the way he does it over and over again. 
but I think he's going to have a very good NFL career. Uh, think about guys like Quentin Michael, right, from Boise State. Solid, spic- nothing spectacular, but really solid NFL player for a very long time. That's Jordan Battle. I think he deserves to be in everybody's top five amongst the safety class. He's in my top five amongst the safeties. And like I said, I'll be, I mean, that's another guy that the Patriots I'm sure will have an eye on, but he's a guy that can play in a complex system and do it pretty much right out of the box. Oh, absolutely. Sounds like a quintessential Nick Saban kind of football player right there. And uh, you mentioned him just a couple seconds ago, J.L. Skinner of Boise State. Uh, Even with the injury, do you buy or sell uh, J.L. Skinner, especially perhaps uh, late uh, in the third round or early fourth? Oh, I mean, yes. (laughs) I I might consider him even slightly before that. The injury worries me a little bit, but it's one that I expect him to recover from pretty much entirely. There's just so much to like about J.L. Skinner. First of all, I mentioned special teams before. This guy is a elite, elite special teams contributor. He's going to come in day one and be one of your best special teams players first time he shows up. I think he can play either free or strong safety. I think, is he, can he cover the slots as well as some of the guys in this class? No, I'm not, I'm not even going to say that he can't. And he's going to miss some time, as you just talked about, simply because of the injury. I, I moved him down slightly in my rankings. At one point, he was number two. Now, I'm, I haven't decided where he's going to end up, where it's all said and done, but he's probably going to end up probably more like a six, seven range because of the, the injury. But I really, really still like him a great deal. He's strong. He's a good athlete. He's got tremendous size. I just feel... Like whoever gets him, especially if he slides down a little bit, it's going to get a real, a, a real big bargain out of him because he's, he's really, he's really good, and he's one of the younger safeties in the class, right? Uh, he's not even twenty-two years old yet. You know, he's got great length. I, I like him a lot. And our penultimate uh, defensive back in buy or sell, Jair Brown of Penn State. Buy or sell, Jair Brown. Once again, you're hitting me where I live. Uh, I, this is a guy that I always was a little higher on than most. He came in right now. He's number eight in my rankings and he could potentially end up slightly higher, but I I think it's probably about right. He should go off the board somewhere in the middle of the third, but he could go earlier. And once again, to me, there's a lot to like, I think that he could play either you're strong or, or free. And the thing I like most about him is I say a flair for the dramatic. I don't mean it in the sense of, you know, you know, bounce, you know, like jumping out from behind the corner and scaring somebody. I mean, in that he makes big plays in big moments. He seems to have a good sense of when the moment is there to make the big play. He's going to be a guy that even if he's not a starter initially, and I think he might start fairly early into his career, I could see him contributing in certain situations. Maybe you go big nickel and he's your third safety. I could see that. I think that he's going to be, you know, asked to uh, be an enforcer type a little bit. And by that, I mean, you know, he's a guy that's not afraid to come down into the box and just rock, right? Rock people. Like he can put, he can put the wood on you. He's not amazing in coverage. I mean, though, I think the one real sort of, of knock, but I mean, this is a guy that made Feldman's freak list, right? Uh, I think that 
know, he's very well put together, the second best built safety in the class. <laughs> uh, and, and once again, he might have been able to be higher in that ranking, if not for one man we'll talk about, I guess, in a little while. Uh, he gives a little too much cushion when he does play against guys. I think because he's worried about his, his recovery speed. He also has a tendency to you know, draw the occasional unnecessary flag because he can be a little too, little too, little too physical. Uh, and getting off blocks, sometimes he's good at it. Sometimes he gets stuck on blocks. But his time speed is the one thing that really, really scared you. I mean, you'd like to see a guy not run in the four sixes in today's version of the NFL. There was a, I mean, John Lynch, you know, would have been thrilled to run what Jair Brown ran, uh, but it was a different NFL. Nowadays, if you're going to play, even playing safety in the NFL, if you're not able to at least get in that four, five, nine, four, five, eight range, there are some teams that are going to move you down. But I think he's going to have a fine career. And despite the lack of, of he doesn't have great range, but I could see him even being asked to play deep middle occasionally. But I like him better as a split field safety. And last but not least, for buy or sell, uh, you love this guy's brother. Chase Brown was one of your top running backs, and uh, Chase has a brother that played with him down at the University of Illinois, Sidney Brown. Do you buy or sell Sidney Brown? Well, Sidney Brown is my number five safety with a, with, a, with a bullet. I could see him pushing his way, especially with the, with the Skinner injury, at least one spot, possibly more, more than one spot higher. So everything I said about Jair Brown, is true of, of him, but he's a terrific athlete instead of a below average athlete of the position. Versatile, strong, smart, tough, off the charts character, fantastic personality. Teams are going to fall in love with him. He's going to go sooner than you think, people. He's going to go sooner than you think. I will not be surprised at all if he ends up being the third safety off the board. Do not be, I will not be surprised at all if he's the third safety off the board particularly teams that want their safety to be able to play like in dime linebacker and cover slots because he can do both and i think that the there's still potential left there remember though he played football growing up he played a lot of sports growing up and he played you know obviously in canada until he came here he's a guy that has only in the you know, last few years since he came to Illinois, really focused on football most of the time instead of, you know, football and then 14 other sports. I'm exaggerating slightly, but a bunch of other sports. The guy's done so many different sports that even for a briefly brief time, he was doing figure skating. So that tells you an idea of how many different sports. I mean, lacrosse, wrestling, he's done some MMA, some boxing, um, uh, track, hockey. Uh, I mean, Name a sport, right? And he's tried pretty much every sport there is. But now he's going to be a full-time football player, and I, I think he'll grow once he does that. Bill Carroll, ladies and gentlemen, NFL draft analyst for Team NBS Media. Follow him on Twitter at 11Bravo138. Thank you, as always, for joining us and lending us your amazing football expertise, Bill. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back in just a few days with more of our 2023 Dash of the Draft series as we make the first stop of our annual NFL Draft Divisional Tour in the star-studded AFC East. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram and now TikTok at Sports Crunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. 
For Bill Carroll, this is David Cromwell saying so long and whatever you do, please choose love, please choose kindness, please choose compassion, please choose selflessness, and please choose empathy, which are the core characteristics of the best teammates and teams in all sports. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool.